In a time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome, listeners, to episode 31 of the Feelin' Film podcast. This week, we are taking a look at director Mel Gibson's latest, Hacksaw Ridge. This incredible film tells the story of a World War II combat medic who was also a conscientious objector. And true to Mel Gibson form, it is equal parts brutal and emotional. Before we do that, though, we wanted to make a request for some feedback. We recently posted a survey on our Facebook page, Facebook group, and Twitter page. This survey will take you about two to three minutes to complete, and it's a chance for us to hear about what you're enjoying, what you're not, and get your opinion on some possible new content ideas we've been discussing. You can find the survey pinned at the top of all of our social media pages for a few more days, and there will be a link to it in the show notes. We really hope you'll take time to give us your much-appreciated feedback. So thank you in advance. Yes, a huge thank you to everyone who has already responded. It means a lot to us, and it's very helpful. Well, Patrick, I've had a lot of free time this week, and I spent most of it catching up on movies. So do you mind if I mention a few before we get into Hacksaw Ridge? Not at all, man. Go for it. Awesome. And if you are here just for Hacksaw Ridge, uh, please don't be afraid to skip ahead if this part doesn't interest you. Uh, you can always check the show notes for a timestamp and skip right to the main review. But otherwise, come along and hear about all the fun stuff that we've been watching the last uh, week or so. Well, Patrick, I have done a lot. And when I say a lot... I do mean a lot. I think at one point I had written down seven different movies slash TV shows uh, <laughs> to discuss in this section today. And uh, I think we both know that's probably a bit much. Um, I'm, I'm kind of addicted to talking about the things I've been watching. And so uh, it's really a joy for me to do that. And I want to just talk, talk, talk about all of them. Uh, but I'm going to try and find some other outlets to do that. So potentially going to be doing some writing on some of the classics that I've watched uh, lately instead of talking about them here. But all the right, ones I do want to talk about, uh, first of all, when I was listening to uh, the Fear of God podcast recently, um, those guys mentioned Big Trouble in Little China. And this has always been a blind spot for me. So I've, I've heard about this movie. You know, I've known, I've known of Jack Burton. I've known of, you know, Kurt Russell in this film. But I've never actually seen it. And uh, I'll be honest, I thought it was about a guy just having a normal everyman, you know, kind of adventure in Chinatown. I thought it was, you know, more along the lines of, uh, I, I don't what, even... What is that? Well, I, <laughs> I don't know. Everyday adventure in Chinatown. <laughs> who, who had that? <laughs> well, well, apparently not Jack Burton. Um, <laughs> I, I guess what I meant is I wasn't expecting anything like what I got. I was not expecting a fantasy, a sci-fi or a Kung Fu movie, all of which I did get. Um, all I can say is, wow, this was a pretty incredible experience. Uh, one I'm very glad that I finally got around to having. Uh, good, I, good. I, I do think that coming to it this late in the game as an adult, uh, has probably soured it a bit compared to what I might've thought of it, you know, when it first came out, if I'd seen it, um, I probably would have been a little bit more 
enamored by it. But as it were, I was just sitting there in shock for half of it, trying to figure out what the heck was happening. <laughs> um, I was entertained, but I was also a little confused. So it was a, it was a decently to good experience for me, but it, it wasn't something that I think I'm going to be revisiting multiple times. Yeah. So big trouble in little China for me was, uh, the equivalent to what you and I and our friends from high school experienced with, uh, Monty Python and mystery science theater. This was my post college group hangout thing. We'd watch this movie and quote it all the time. So it, it became, it became a very special it became very special to me after college. Well, that doesn't surprise me one bit. When you told me that you liked it, I was like, yep, as I was watching it, this is a Patrick kind of movie. So, Indeed. Oh, no. He did it. He went there. Um, switching gears, I, uh, I I also watched a couple of other, other movies. One um, was my first ever rewatch of Gravity. Uh, on a home theater system and i <laughs> i say that loosely uh i meant on my tv <laughs> when i say home theater system um <laughs> but i haven't seen it since the theater viewing and i was a little bit nervous about how it was going to hold up i've got to tell you it held up pretty well it, it it certainly is not the same as seeing it you know in imax with that that screen size that sound and that complete immersion but the tension was was very much there still, and uh, every bit amaz- as amazing as it was the first time, and just really cemented its place in my all time list as a, as a favorite. Uh, it's it's just a it's just a groundbreaking experience uh, for movies, and I found that I really enjoy um, stories where survival is is being the the goal. So things like Castaway, uh, this, there's a movie called All is Lost with Robert Redford, um, 127 hours, movies like that, where we're, we're really focused in on one or two characters that are, are trying to survive and get through an experience. I like to, I like those a lot. Makes for a very challenging thing as a writer or director, because you have to get the audience to care about these guys in the course of two, two and a half hours. Oh, absolutely. It does. Uh, it's, it is, it is a very big challenge. And, uh, so that's why when they're done well, um, it's pretty easy to resonate with them. Absolutely. Uh, the other one I watched was nerve. And those of you who keep up with the movies might've heard of this one over the summer. I guess it was based on a young adult book. I didn't know that when I first saw it. Um, but this is kind of like a teen movie that follows some kids who are playing this new video game, uh, interactive game, uh, via the internet and their phones where, uh, they, they make themselves live and then viewers everywhere vote, uh, on dares that they have to complete and they either have to complete it, uh, to move on. They, they earn a bunch of money and they just keep moving up this ladder toward the finals or they quit or they fail. And if they do that, then they're out of the game. And, you know, the premise of it was intriguing and I, but I knew it had like a teenage slant to it. Uh, so I was a little hesitant, but I got to tell you, I had a fantastic experience with this movie, highly underrated. Um, one of the best of the year, I would actually say, um, it was great. It was really great. The acting was phenomenal. It has, uh, whose brother is in it? Oh, Franco's brother is in it. Dave Franco, I believe. Um, okay. Kept trying to remember where I where I noticed or 
remembered him from, and I believe he was in Now You See Me, uh, the two Now You okay. See Me movies. So, okay. um, but he does a great job, the, the main actress as well. Their relationship is just very natural, um, and it's not like overly done to the point where it becomes the main focus of the film. The film stays on the thriller aspect of it, and it really brings up great questions about the way that we interact with each other on social media and the links that we go to in order to find enjoyment at the expense of others. And it has just a really good message uh, all the way throughout up to the ending. So I highly recommend Nerve. It's out on video on demand now or, you know, rentable, etc. So I would say check that one out. You can watch it with your kids. Uh, I think it's like PG-13. So no, really? no nudity in it. Um, just a little bit of language and obviously some, you know, intense type sequences, but it's not bad. Like I would, I would let my 13 year old watch it. No problem. Okay. Yeah. I I saw trailers for it and I thought this looks really interesting, but I didn't write it down. So I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm going to try to watch that this week. Awesome. Well, if you do, let me know or let us know what you thought about it. I will, of course. The last one I want to mention is a TV show that I, I discovered this past week and that is called Black Mirror. Now, this is a Netflix show in its third season, so I'm behind the curve on this one. But I had some friends on Facebook talking about it, and with the way they were describing it was like Twilight Zone. It's like an anthology show with different directors doing different episodes. And yet, it it takes its premise, basically, from all the episodes are framed uh, on the idea that they are in the very near future, so it's sci-fi that could conceivably be there tomorrow. And all of the episodes have to do with how we interact with technology in this world. And oh my goodness, I got to tell you, this show is blowing my mind. I've watched two episodes in season three, and, and then I've watched the season premiere, season one, episode one. I've yet to be disappointed. It is awesome, 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 awesome. Um... The first episode I watched was called Playtest, and I chose that one because it was directed by one of our favorites, Dan Trachtenberg, uh, director of Ten Cloverfield Lane, and fellow video game nerd. Uh, and the episode was all about uh, this this American traveler who gets sucked into this playtest experience of a, a survival horror VR video game. And, oh, man, just... Phenomenal. That episode was a little bit horror-ish. Uh, they all have not been. Most of them are either thrilling or dramatic. There's, they're just kind of all over the place, uh, but they all have that tie-in of uh, science and technology and, and human interaction and how it affects our lives. And So I highly recommend Black Mirror. I'm going to be trying to take it slow, not like binge-watching it. I could easily just sit down and just go through it all. But I kind of want to savor it and just, you know, one here and there until I get through it so that I can take it in and, and think about each episode as I do because they definitely warrant that. Very, very cool, man. I've heard about Black Mirror as well. And uh, it's a, it's, it sounds like a very intriguing show. And I, I did see that drop that Dan Drachtenberg directed one of the, uh, the episodes from this season. So that's probably one I'll have to check out as well. Yes, sir. Well, that's uh, I'm going to call that good for now. I could keep going, but I won't. Um, I do. I do want to talk about Hacksaw Ridge at some point. So what about you? Did you get to anything else this week other than our featured review? 
Well, I got a chance to catch up on a couple of documentaries. Uh, late Saturday nights are my time to catch up on that after I watch some football. And uh, so I was thumbing through Amazon Prime to see if there's anything that I hadn't checked out. And there were a lot of political ones that had popped up for some odd reason. I have no idea why. Uh, could be some event happening this week uh, on Tuesday. But I, I ran across a couple of documentaries, um, including Michael Moore's stuff. And I'm 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 a, I'm a fan of him as a documentary as a filmmaker. I won't say documentarian because these films that I watched were documentaries that were sort of Michael Moore opposition pieces. Um, I know a lot of what I've, I've seen most, if not all, of his documentaries, at least everything up to Fahrenheit 9/11. And I was curious to see what these other two. And there are several documentaries that are out that pertain to like opposing him, but these two particular ones had pretty decent reviews. One was called Manufacturing Dissent, and the other one was called Michael Moore Hates America. And, and really, <laughs> very true. <laughs> <laughs> and really, what they're geared toward is debunking some of the not really myths that he presents in his films, but really kind of exposing the the way in which he use as uses editing techniques to kind of tell his own story and to create a potentially manufactured idea about what story he's telling and so what's interesting is that when I'm I'm watching these two documentaries just like Michael Moore's films I have to take them with a grain of salt because any documentarian is going to be somewhat slanted in the way in which he or she directs a film. You can't capture every moment of an event. You are capturing pieces and parts from certain interviews. And even in those interviews, you're not capturing the entire interview. You're capturing the pieces that cater to the message you're trying to send. And so I have to, I have to be very conscious of that. So with Michael Moore, in his stuff, I have to be very conscious. And so this response to his, I have to be equally as responsible as a viewer to know that not everything is as it seems. There might be a lot of honesty and a lot of um, pushback you know, against his films. But at the same time, there's still an agenda that these other documentarians are trying to do in response to him. And so they've been entertaining for sure. I'm almost, um, I'm actually, I've, I finished Manufacturing Descent. I've got about half an hour to go in the uh, the second one, Michael Moore Hates America. But they've both been entertaining to say the least. And uh, it's actually made me want to watch his most recent one about Trump <laughs> that came out last year or this this past year, I can't remember. Um, but uh, but yeah, they've been, as far as an entertainment thing, they've been they've been very good and uh, it's just a reminder to me that any film, whether it's a documentary or a film like we're going to talk about, there is creative liberty that's taken. And I've, I think I've posed this question to you offline uh, several times, that when it comes to based on true stories or true life events, biographical events, when is the line drawn <laughs> for the liberty that you take? And uh, that might be something that we talk about tonight as we get into it. I could definitely see that happening uh, <laughs> uh, with tonight's episode. So that's awesome, man. I, you know, when you told me 
I asked you what you've been up to earlier offline. You said, oh, you know, I watched a couple documentaries. <laughs> shocker, <laughs> Any, right? <laughs> yeah, shocker. Anybody that's been listening to us for a while knows that uh, you love you some documentaries. Um, I like <laughs> it. For, for a podcast on docu... No, I'm just kidding. I know, well, a lot of people have commented and really enjoy your recommendations and have sought them out. So I'm pumped that you have that uh, desire and that you have that passion for documentaries because it allows us to talk about some and promote them and uh, yeah. get them out there for, for people to watch. I like them as well. I just don't watch them nearly as frequently as you. I don't gravitate toward them mm-hmm. in the same manner. Well, very cool. Well, let's get, uh, let's get started. If you're, uh, if you're ready to roll. Oh, I'm ready to roll. I am. Okay. I'm ready to go. Full disclaimer. Uh, this is an emotional movie. If you've seen it, well, first of all, if you haven't seen it, turn away now because uh, we are going to spoil it a bit and, well, probably a lot. Um, you know, let me back that up for a second. If you haven't seen the movie and you know the story of Desmond Doss, I don't know that there are spoilers to be had, honestly. Um, the spoilers in this movie are interesting to be is something we can actually talk about briefly because when we're talking about this biographical event that's even being marketed as such um right out of the box they're telling us what this man accomplished um does that mean that a film is you know is it necessary to even consider that spoilerish anymore how do you feel about that because i mean you're not talking about a major plot point that is being spoiled. You're talking about how you get from A to B, but you're not mm-hmm. talking about what B is. Uh, you know, I mean, I think for our listeners, well, for, for us in particular, I, I think it's, it goes without saying that everything we do is spoilery. So for, for our particular case, then it doesn't really matter, but yeah, for historical purposes, I mean, it's important to, uh, I, I didn't see a lot of trailers for this. Like when we were making our schedule, a while back you threw this on the list and I remember you saying specifically, I want us to cover this. I want us to cover, cover this. And most of the time I have no dogs in the fights with the movies we cover. Um, and most of the time, if not all the time, I'm just completely satisfied and overwhelmingly happy with the choices that we pick. So, but I hadn't seen a lot of trailers for it. So in that case, I didn't know the story of, of Desmond Doss and I didn't really want to, I wanted to be, quote surprised by this so in that case yeah i mean we're gonna have some spoilers so if you don't know the historical context you don't know the the story itself check it out um read the synopsis and then come back because i think what we're gonna probably be doing is not just talking about the events that took place but how impactful they were for us personally and uh it just it's a better it's a better experience to, to listen to us after listening to a movie in general i think you're right you nailed it We'll count that. Shooty <laughs> scores. Shooty scores. All right. Well, that being said, I'm just going to jump in and give you my impressions. Oh, so, I'm the guy that does the impressions. You don't need to do that. Well, I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> I will definitely not try and give you my Desmond Doss impression. Please don't. Um, <laughs> there is no way I could do it justice the way that Andrew Garfield did. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, when I came out of this, Patrick, I remember – the moment so it was an emotional movie and as the the end is happening you know i'm i'm crying i mean let's I'm, let's not beat around the bush i cried a lot during this movie or you know i got teary 
during this movie. I was choked up for a good portion of it, to be honest. Um, but at the end, I was very, very moved. And everybody just kind of sat there. Um, I was I was actually attending the movie with one of our listeners, uh, a friend named Ryan and his father. And I kind of looked over and Ryan was you know, casually wiping his eyes. And uh, it was just a different experience than mm. most films because everybody just... No, it, it, there wasn't this immediate raising from your seat and getting up to walk out. There was a pause. And so I collected myself enough to be able to get up and start walking out of the theater. And I, I very, very distinctly remember passing a, a woman. Uh, I was in the back row and she was up toward the back corner and she was facing the wall and she was just you know, cleaning her face with an, a Kleenex or something, trying to, mm. to get herself under control. So I passed her and, you know, as I was walking down, no one was speaking. It, it was just like a dead silence, just exiting in the, it was very, very eerie to be honest mm. um, as he walked out. And so we leave, you know, I send my goodbyes to Ryan and his dad and I walk into the car and, uh, you know what my normal routine is when I go see a movie, I'll get in the car and I'll pull up my phone and I'll start taking uh, voice notes for myself for the podcast as, as I'm driving home. And I tried to take about a minute. I, I, it lasted about a minute and a half before I finally shut it off. And I almost wish I could play it for you guys so you could see it, exactly what that impact was like. And I, I just wonder mm-hmm. if other people had that experience, but for me, it tore me apart and I was not able to really process it for quite some time. It took me about 30 minutes uh, before I was able to form coherence in sentences uh, while talking about this film. And I just kept choking up, you know, until that point. Um, and I think that the reason for that is not because I felt that my fe- I, I the one thing I want to point out is I do not feel that I was emotionally manipulated and I have I have left movies before where the way in which a filmmaker tells the story is so purposeful that I feel manipulated <laughs> I feel like they're trying to get me to this place but this story impacted me so strongly um both because of my uh, understanding where Doss is coming from as a man of faith and having that similar connection and also being a veteran uh, and having that connection to Doss. While I obviously was not a, an army soldier in world war two um, and I'm a Navy vet uh, of current day, uh, there are similarities in the experiences we had, not the battle parts. And so I felt that this was a very powerful movie, a very important movie. Um, It's possibly the best war movie ever made, in my opinion. It's definitely the best one made since Saving Private Ryan. Uh, I have no doubt. And I think that it will stick with me for a long time to come. And I'm excited to talk about why. So what about you? What was your experience like? Well, first of all, um, let me just say – and. I'm just now thinking about this. Um, thank you for serving. You are welcome. It's, you know, I, part of this, again, going back to the documentary real quick, uh, one of the things that, that, that I saw was an interview with one of the, um, I, I, I think it was a, I think it was a, um, 
a Gulf War vet. Not Gulf War. I can't remember which war it was, but it was a it was a a guy who had come back and he had lost um, part of each of his arms from from the war, and he his his footage uh, was was used in one of one of Moore's documentaries, and he was it was unbeknownst to him, and so he was interviewed in this other documentary about his response and. I remember thinking, uh, watching him, and he was he was saying, you know, I'm depicted as someone who needs help or, or someone who who hates America. And he goes, No, I love America. I mean, I signed up for this. I did this consciously. I know the risks going into this. So um, I know that we don't live in a world where there's a draft anymore, and that every American soldier, infantryman, engineer, military person is doing that by choice. <laughs> That there's a, whatever those reasons are, I, I would imagine the main reason or one of the main reasons is they love their country and it's worth fighting for. And so, as someone who is not in the military, I um, I'm grateful for men like you. My dad was Navy as well, and um, and that being said, my emotional impact wasn't as in depth as yours, but I definitely connected with the faith aspect of it. And I walked away. I was in this in a similar situation where it, it was I'd gone to see this movie on a Friday at around four o'clock, so it wasn't the peak time to see a movie. But it's interesting because the people that were in the theater, I think the mean age, if you took me out of the theater, the mean age for people in the theater was probably fifty eight to sixty five. A lot of older people, a lot of uh, I would imagine former, combat serving veterans, people that were very familiar with the story. Um, I don't want to even try to make, you know, presuppositions about those guys lives and, you know, who was in the theater, but I would imagine that that was the audience that I was surrounded by. And it was similar. I remember, um, I had to leave fairly quickly because I needed to get, get home, but, uh, or uh, my wife was getting home from out of town. I need to pick her up. But I remember just kind of kind of glancing back and forth and people were still staying in there and there were tears and there were people sort of collecting themselves. And I remember thinking at various points during the movie, holy crap. <laughs> and I think I remember texting you saying, holy crap. Yep. That's exactly what I asked. I asked you how you were, I said, did you see Hacksaw yet? What'd you think? And you said, holy <laughs> crap. And I was like, okay, well, we'll leave it at that until, until we talk. And of course, that was every bit about being a uh, <laughs> being a just an exclamation and less about a literal <laughs> literal uh, opinion because it was not anything but that. It was not anything like that. It was it was very much an impactful movie from an emotional standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, and and there there were moments when my breath was just kind of taken away. I was like, I cannot believe I'm I'm watching what I'm watching. And um, I would agree with you. I think this is probably one of the best war movies in the last probably 25 years, right up there, if not better than Saving Private Ryan. And it came as a surprise to me because, one, I didn't know the story, and two, I didn't know how much war I was getting when I, when I went into it. So it was, it was very impactful for me. Yeah, that's that is something that um, you, you you get with Mel Gibson <laughs> is that brutality and that, that he does not skirt 
um, the realism of the situations that he is filming. And we've seen this all throughout his films, whether it's Braveheart, Apocalyptico, um, or even Passion of the Christ. You know, he makes it a point to really try and capture the depth of that pain and that situation uh, that his characters were in or are placed mm-hmm. in, if, if it's a fictional story. And it can be extremely hard to watch. I know um, I had friends that I urged to go see this, and they went uh, to a showing this morning and came came back this afternoon and was saying, wow, like, thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, I had to watch, and she said I had to watch half of this with my hand through my, you know, or through with my fingers over my eyes because there was just so much uh, brutality uh, shown. And it can be tough. It can be a tough watch. And I think that without the character focus that we had, um, without the innocence of Desmond's upbringing and the scenes we got in the beginning, that that might have been too much to take. Like, I don't think that I could have sat through an entire movie that just showed us this battle. But because we were connected to these characters at that point, and we got to see this through their POV, um, it was just, I mean, it was hard to watch, but it was, it was impactful because it showed us just what the horrors of that war were. Um, and just, just what the cost, the cost was, man. I mean, you know, I don't know what the numbers are, but I've seen numbers thrown around of how many people died in things like world war two and world war one. And the numbers are staggering. Um, and, and this is, this is what it was like. This is what warfare was. I mean, it was exactly how it's depicted here at some, at points they just run at each other amidst randomly thrown grenades and explosions and, and, uh, you know, they're just charging (laughs) and the percentage of guys that end up dying in that case on both sides mm-hmm. is awful and, and very hard to deal with. And so, um, I mean, I applauded Mel's use of the, the brutality of the, the scenes in battle. I thought that they were very well done from an artistic standpoint, but I also struggled some with them. I, uh, that was probably the biggest impact for me. I remember watching that opening battle sequence because I think there were three, right? There were, there were, it was over the course of three days and about halfway through the first attack at Hacksaw, I remember going, is this going to end? Not because I was bored, but because, I mean, like I remember from the very beginning, it, there was a jump scare <laughs> at the, at the very, you know, we see, a um, I think one of the soldiers is, is checking on a dead a dead body or something that dead body just jumps up. Like it's, it's, it's not someone, it was someone who wasn't dead, but he was like, you know, whatever. And, and that kick started everything. And then it, the next thing you see is somebody shooting, uh, some of the Japs shooting and the holes just getting ricocheted through that guy's body and through the soldier that he jumps in front. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm digressing, but I'm, I'm watching this, this whole sequence play out and halfway through, I'm just like, stop, let it end, let it end. And not because it was getting the- theatrically overwhelming, but because I began to think, 
this is what people dealt with. This was this was a day in the life of a soldier in World War II. Or, you know, insert your you know, your your battle here, whether it's just the American Civil War or Vietnam or or whatever. Just this constant just, just array of bullets flying and flamethrowers being I mean, it was just wow. And afterwards, after watching that and then watching the second one and then eventually the third one. I walked out of the theater going, man, was that necessary? Was that was it necessary to see all that? And I, I, we, I don't know if we've talked about it on the show, but about the, the value of just gratuitous violence or just an, just a, just a, a monumental increase in violence or just an overabundance of violence in a particular film. I don't know that we've run across a movie that has done as much as Hacksaw Ridge has. But I remember, uh, you know, thinking on it a day later and going, that was necessary because I needed to feel the chaos that each one of these guys actually went through. You know, did he have, did Mel Gibson have footage that he recreated? No, probably not because there were no cameras on Axel Ridge. He had, he had, uh, you know, uh, eyewitness accounts from, from people like Dawes. And he had, I mean, he had only as much as he could go on. And, and there were moments, details, uh, during those battle sequences where I was like, oh my gosh, this is almost like, like, like horror, the way in which some of these guys were dying. I mean, I'm used to guys in civil war movies just getting, you know, stabbed with bayonets and I don't see blood. I just see guys falling down or I see guys getting shot in the stomach and, you know, on the the beaches of Normandy. I, 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 I was not ready to have people getting bullets in the head and strafed with, you know, getting their heads blown off and having at the, you know, the very end that, that whole last sequence with the Japs and the guy slicing the dude's head off. I'm like, Whoa, 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 what's, what's going on here? And so it didn't take me out of the movie at any given point. If, if not, if anything, it moved me even further into it because now I was just, I mean, my, my, my hands were just clenched to my, my movie seat, my, the arms of my seats. Cause I was just like, Oh my gosh, make it stop, make it stop. And I think that's what Mel wanted us to feel. I think it is too. I think that that's what those men on Hacksaw Ridge, uh, were thinking. I think that's what was going through their heads as well was, you know, Oh God, make it stop, make it stop. You know, this is, this is insane. Um, how, how can we be expected to do this? And, I think that showing what he did was realistically realistically necessary as well in framing exactly what Doss accomplished, what Doss did. Because, you know, it's one thing to say, to read this man's uh, Medal of Honor citation and to see that he ran into battle repeatedly rescuing wounded soldiers and rescued, you know, 75 men, uh, while, you know, constantly dodging bullets and uh, artillery shells. It, It sounds amazing to read that, but when you get put into his shoes and you see the horror of what he's dealing with, the fact that he makes that choice is just overwhelmingly 
moving. Because you know what? I don't think that the majority of us would make that choice. I think that's what mm-hmm. makes this man special. That, that's what makes him a hero. That's what makes this story so incredible is that you know, 99% of human beings don't make that choice. Right. And if they do make it, they don't make it 75 times. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, over and yeah. over and over. And so I do think it was it was very necessary in this film, while not thinking it, 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 it almost makes me critique something a little harsher, like a Tarantino film, because I, you know, I, I'm a Tarant, I like Tarantino. I know that you don't particularly love his stuff, um, but he's a good comparison here, where you see this kind of violence, but you wonder, is it as necessary in a film like what he's making? And it probably isn't. Mm. Um, whereas in this, it really was. And I, I think you made a good point that there's a different purpose that exists in both Tarantino as a comparison, Tarantino and Gibson's movies that, and it's not one, it's, it's not that one is good versus one is bad, but I think Tarantino in particular, the point he's making is borderline satirical, like the overuse of an element like gratuitous violence or something or rather themes to make a point um, obviously brings out the passion of what he does in his films. Whereas I think what Gibson does, he's not trying to be just historically accurate. He's trying to capture the impact of why that historical accuracy is important. Because if we didn't see that opening sequence at Hacksaw Ridge, I think you said, I believe you said it, that what Desmond did afterwards over and over and over and over again wouldn't have nearly been as impactful. I think it would have been written off as like, that was cool. (laughs) But because I was already invested and I wanted the madness to stop to think that he probably felt that same way. And yet he chose, I mean, that's the big word here. He chose to stay up there. He chose to go back over and over and over again, just increased his his story it increased the impact of his story to the audience that that Mel Gibson was um, was telling and um, as as a man of faith it it challenges my faith because it tells me uh, again one of the questions I had and I don't think we can answer it fully <laughs> is can you support something like war like Desmond Doss did without participating in the thing that war is essentially about, which is fighting and as a result, killing other people. Um, I know that's not the point of war, but it's a, but it's an, it's an impact of it, the loss of life. And that was something I struggle with during the movie is what I have the conviction to, to fight for a country that I love, but not kill, not participate in that thing. And it, 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 it's tension. It's tension that I, you know, I still am thinking about. And, um, am I doing something equally, if not more or equally as valuable because of my faith that takes sacrifice? Maybe it's not fighting, in the military, maybe it's going overseas or maybe it's just <laughs> being a good dad and a good husband. I mean, I don't know. It just got me thinking about all these questions about 
does my faith really cost me something? And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I'm, I think it's an important question to ask. And it's something that we, that we should wrestle with as, as, you know, for me as a Christian, for sure. Well, that's something that I came out of it, um, struggling with as well. And I think that was one of the biggest things for me was it is a little different actually than, than the question you're asking initially of, can you support war, you know, indirectly essentially, mm-hmm. um, while not really wanting that killing to be happening. And that is a much bigger and uh, deeper question and not one that I think can blanket be answered by us for everybody. I think mm-hmm. that's something that people need to ponder and, and talk about and, and figure out for themselves um, but I love that this movie gets us to a place where that question is being asked. But for me, I, I struggled too, you know, just being a person of faith. Um, and, and I don't even know that it it's necessarily uh, tied to, well, I mean, for me, obviously it's tied to my, my Christian faith, just like DOS. But um, I think this is something that um, even people that are not people of that would consider themselves religious um, could relate to because it's a matter of how strong your convictions are to something. Right. Right. And I came out of it thinking about it in terms of my daily life, just wondering, goodness gracious, (laughs) you know, like what am I not doing that? I know I should be doing. What, What do I do that's wrong or that I know I'm making a a choice that I shouldn't make on a daily basis where here's Doss, you know, willing to face the fire, so to speak, um, both prison in the beginning, um, ridicule, uh, ostracism. I don't know how to say that ostracization, ostracization, I don't know, being ostracized ostracized. (laughs) (laughs) uh, from his family, um, his father kind of cutting him off. Um, all of these things, even before we get to the point where he's risking his life. And then on top of that, the fact that he does so uh, completely unconditionally. And I think that resonated with me in a huge way uh, because Doss is not selective about who he goes out to find. Doss just goes into the fog of war, literally the fog, not being able to see where he's going not being able to see what he's coming up against um, and just praying to him that you know, the, the, the artillery is not going to hit him. I mean, he has no way of knowing where those artil- artillery shells are going to fall um, at any moment. One could hit near him and he's done. Right. Um, but he goes out, like I said, unconditionally and just the moment he finds someone that's hurt, he takes them back and he gives his all to that person. And it's a complete, sacrificing of oneself it's a complete complete selflessness that i came out of this in tears because of how unlike our society and our culture what this man exhibited is i don't i don't see this uh, anymore i feel like we live in this world that we're so quick to turn to violence to try and get our point across we're so quick to kill each other and claim self-defense and justify it. Um, and that's at home. 
much less war. Now war is just an impersonal thing where we don't see this kind of horror because we send a drone in to blow up a building tactically. But do you think these bodies are still ripped apart? Yeah, they are, but we don't have to see it up close and personal. So it desensitizes us. And so to see him live out these values, mimicking the God that he believes in and Mm -hmm. for the reason that he's making these choices is just super inspiring and makes you really reflect on yourself and your own choices in your life. Or at least it did for me. Yeah. He, I think what he did, he elevated his conviction and his faith above the job at hand. Because I remember in particular, um, and I don't know if this, I want to say this is historically accurate, but he saved the lives of at least two Japanese guys. I that is of, that is correct. Yes, that uh, at least in the film, it was mentioned that there were a couple of enemy soldiers that were brought down through his um, booby harness. I think is what I want to call it the uh, the double <laughs> the double knot thing. <laughs> but to me, those moments, uh, which you know could easily be considered cinematic liberties that could be taken. Uh, I'm glad to know that they weren't tell me that he valued people even over his job as an American. And that was of course reinforced early on in the film that he wasn't, he wasn't driven by guilt. It wasn't like you could translate it that way that he was like, well, people are fighting for me and I got to fight too. I mean, he said that sort of, but I think he was saying essentially, no, these guys are giving their life for me and for me to sit around and not do the same for them is, is wrong. And, but when he's up there, you know, he's, he's trying to save as many people as he can. And even that montage where he's like, just one more, just one more God, just one more. I was wondering, was he even thinking about Americans versus Japs or was he just thinking about people at that point? I don't know. Um, I wish I could sit down with him and talk with him now. I know he passed away, I think in 2000, 2009, but um, I just, to me, that impacted me on a personal level because he, he saw people as valuable, not just Americans in those moments. He saw his comrades as valuable, but he, if, you, if you wanted to generalize, he saw, he saw himself as being the second one in the line of, of, of who, to, who to rescue and who to save. Mm-hmm. You know, he, put, he put himself in the in the passenger seat and just, you know, let his, let his conviction drive who he was. And I, I, that was just impactful to me. Yeah, he did. I mean, he, that's, what's beautiful about it is he was, it was about just the humanity of it to him. There was no race, creed, color, skin, religion, anything that was dictating what he was doing. He came upon a person human being that he found suffering and hurting Hmm. and wanted to help them, wanted to save them, rescue them, um, get them to safety. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's, it's a beautiful thing. And and I think that that's part of why this film is so necessary and so important. I've used the word that it was important. That's why I think it's important, uh, in this day and age right now that people see that, you know, you, you can do this too. 
right? You, this can exist in our world. You don't have to save 75 people on Hacksaw Ridge to exhibit the same qualities that Desmond Doss did when it came to the way he thought about people around him. And, and I hope that most people that go see this film can come out of it wondering and looking for ways to maybe implement that in their own lives, myself mm-hmm. included. And yeah. you said something about, <laughs> you brought up the, uh, the fact that he saved a couple of uh, Japanese soldiers and it reminded me of something I wanted to segue. Um, there's a, a great dry humor moment when we learn that he had saved a couple of, of Japanese. We see him save one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, well, we see him, we think he's going to be saving one. And then we end up cutting back to uh, camp and someone's telling the captain, Captain Glover, I believe, uh, you know, what's been going on. And he says, yeah, he's, you know, Doss has brought down like 75 of them, even a couple of, of Japanese. And he was, and then he just kind of pauses really briefly and he goes, they didn't make it. And it's this, <laughs> it's this dry, humorous moment, right? It's, it, and I think that's something that I wanted to talk about was the humor in this film, because it's something mm-hmm. that I did not expect at all. Um, and it, it really made for a complete movie experience for me because we get this awesome, awesome, happy stuff that happens at the beginning uh, with Doss and his brother. Um, mm-hmm. And they're just, you know, we get this relationship building. We get to see how kind of crazy they are. And there's a little bit of foreshadowing there too. I think there's a specific scene where they're bl- playing really up high on a rock ledge and some people walk by and they're like, you guys got to you know get down from there. You're going to fall and break your necks. And I just thought of how, you know, later, what do we have? We have Doss on this huge cliff, completely right. unafraid, just like they said, um, there is no fear in that for him. And, uh, and so then we, you know, everything with him and Dorothy, uh, is just, it's so refreshing. It's so innocent. Uh, and it, it gives this very much needed relief. Yes. Relief to the whole story. Um, and it's one of the things that I thought was really important because, you know, their relationship is, is incredible. And I want to point out that, you know, they get married. They don't have sex before marriage. Um, they wait until their marriage night to consummate their marriage, uh, which is unheard of <laughs> these days and unseen in film. Um, but that's what they do. Um, but specifically the part that really blows me away and, and I connected with this so much was the way in which throughout the whole film, Doss will stop and just look at Dorothy. Yeah. Yeah. He will just be staring at her with this big grin. And it was one of the most pure depictions of what I would consider, you know, the budding, you know, creation of love or, you know, this, this building up of love within people that I've ever seen the way it's shown. It's so subtle, but he just, he just sits there and just takes in her beauty. He takes in, the fact that he gets to be in that presence of mm-hmm. her. Um, and I just love it. I think it's, it's fantastic. And, and like well, I said, very needed. 
Yeah, and you mentioned the humor in it. That the moments that he's <laughs> that he's just pining over her and just looking at her, he gets he almost gets hit by a car twice <laughs> as they're walking out of the movie theater. He's just he's so smitten with her. Um, I will say that this was a surprise, a very uh, overwhelmingly pleasant surprise to see Andrew Garfield in this role. I, you and I, I think you were actually in town when yes. we saw him in the Amazing Spider-Man, and. I just adored him. I thought he was fantastic as Peter Parker. Played that great kind of goofy, um, you know, current day awkward Peter Parker. And and I think he tapped into that with the character of Doss, especially when, particularly when he was around uh, Dorothy. That he was just goofy and, 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 and almost just kid-like. And... I think it's hard to portray a character who can do that and then be uh, who he was later on in the scenes where he's getting just ridiculed and physically beat up by his comrades and being faced with um, being on trial. To be able to balance that, I think, is very Oscar-worthy of of someone. And I think he just elevated himself as an actor with me. Um, it makes me really want to go in and watch other movies that he's been in uh, and then rewatch Amazing Spider-Man because <laughs> I just love him in that. But I, he sold the character of Desmond Doss to me. I, I completely believed in him by the time um, we get to the uh, the military scenes. And, uh, and I love that. Yeah, me too. I, I thought he was top-notch. I think the whole cast was incredible. Um, the, mm-hmm. the other, you know, one of the other main performances, there were two that stuck out to me. Um, one was Vince Vaughn, who the okay. moment, <laughs> so the moment, are you kidding me? Yeah. The moment that I saw Vince Vaughn, I actually cringed because I was like, no, we're not going to do this. Like we are not going to do this. I saw Vince Vaughn walk in as, you know, the Sergeant who was going to, you know, be in le- in charge of the platoon. And I'm immediately, you know, hearkening back to full metal jacket. And, and I'm just <laughs> like, you know, no, 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 no. I, I don't need, I don't need this comical character, you know, thrown into this movie. And holy moly, man, I was blown away by what I got. I, I didn't know that Vince Vaughn could be a serious actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was able to bring this great comedic timing but while also being serious, like without ever reaching Vince Vaughn level of typical slapstick comedy, it was just, it was unlike anything I've ever seen him in. Mm-hmm. And he, he totally blew me away. Um, and, and yeah. ele- like you said, he elevated it for me because of his performance. Um, the way, <laughs> in fact, I'll talk about it now while we're there, the way in which his scenes play out, with Doss in the barracks and getting to army training was so cool uh, because you know I've been through boot camp and while it's not exactly the same, there were a lot of similarities to some of the things that happened there. You know, I've been in situations where you're called to attention by your commanders and you're standing there and they walk up to you and they throw your bed and they rip rip all your sheets off of your bed and throw them on the ground and look at you and say, why is your bed messed up? Fix that, you know? And you just want to scream and yell and freak out because you're like, dude, you just, like, I'm, it was fine five seconds ago. It was fine, and you messed it up. And 
So to see them go through that was something I could totally relate to. Yeah. Um, and so it was just a very realistic, uh, what I felt was a very realistic portrayal of, of how these characters from different walks of life, different personalities, different creeds, different faiths, different, um, nationalities are coming together and being molded into a unit. The, the, the giving of nicknames, part of the, one of the best things about this movie like, I yeah. love that so much, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just the way in which they're given their nicknames. I mean, when he's talking to the naked guy, like it is, <laughs> it's just brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, I, and I love that. And he, you, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that Vince Vaughn, just like you, he surprised me because I love him as a comedian. I, I think he's fantastic and um, – you know, he's great in Swingers, he's great in Fred Claus. His style of humor is just completely, um, when it's not over-the-top idiotic, it's very it's very appealing to me. And so to see him in that role, um, I think what Mel Gibson did in casting him was he said, look, you've got the chops to use humor to, to bring a little bit of relief to this tension in this movie. And I, I thought in particular, um, again, how he, pl- how, how Desmond, uh, Garfield's character, Desmond played off of him. He, I loved it. <laughs> you know, when you, when you were talking about that, it reminded me of initially, you know, Desmond's trying not to laugh because he thinks it's all funny. And it's only when Desmond's convictions are challenged, when he refuses to pick up the rifle that things get real and you don't see him smiling anymore. But you see how he, Desmond, and the sergeant, how their relationship grows throughout the film, how he gains the Sarge's respect and how the Sarge looks at him with a different kind of value. And I, I don't know that I'd want anybody else but Vince Vaughn to play that character because I don't know that any – I think he was hired because of his humor – and I think he could sell the humor. And I think he had to be challenged. We had to be challenged with his ability to be dramatic. And I think he, he nailed that role as well. Because I think the Sarge's role needed to have some humor to it. I think if it was all serious, you wouldn't be able to really handle that. You needed some you needed some comic relief there. And I think he was great in that. Yeah. And it's realistic, too. I mean, the, <laughs> you know, there that is how it works, largely. You you have to have a balance there. And the, the great ones are the ones that, that can do that. And so, you know, I love that you mentioned how their relationship grew because by, you know, by the end of boot camp, even by the end of training, you know, Vince Vaughn's character is, is now respecting him. Like you said, and he's saying, listen, I don't want to see you go to prison. Even captain Glover, Luke, uh, not Luke, uh, Sam Worthington's character is kind of the same. He's saying, listen, I don't, I'm starting to get it a little bit. Not fully there, but I, I don't want to see you throw your life away over this. Mm-hmm. Um, I care about you enough that I don't want that for you. Mm-hmm. You know, why can't you just make this change? And so it was It was also very powerful to me seeing how Doss just continually would turn the other cheek, like quite literally turn the other cheek. And he never did so out of fear. Like he never, he never cowered and backed down because he was scared but he always did it because he was firm in his convictions. And 
he never tries to change anyone else. That was something that really spoke to me big mm. time. You never see Desmond saying, listen, everybody gather around and let me tell you why you should be a pacifist. Let me tell you why you're all wrong to carry weapons. He let people be themselves. He let people follow their convictions. He just wanted to be able to follow his own mm-hmm. and be a part of them and be respected for that. Whereas the reverse was happening, you know, to him. Everyone just wanted to bring him in line with their personal convictions and That's their their beliefs. So yeah, it, I thought that we we got a great depiction of that, you know, from a film standpoint, I think that it was done really well because I, I got that from it. Yeah. The, uh, go ahead. I was going to say the other character. So because we were talking about characters. The other one that jumped out for me, um, was a, another shocker of a, Oh my gosh, this guy's in this movie. Um, and that was Hugo weaving as <laughs> yeah. Tom, <laughs> his name, Tom, Tom Doss, I believe. I think so. Yeah. Gosh, man, totally. Oh, blew me away. I didn't recognize him. I did not. I, I was trying to. I was trying to figure out who he was, and it wasn't until I looked up the cast after the movie that I was like, "Oh my word, that's Hugo Weaving." Did not even recognize him. No, not at all. He was fantastic. I loved the opening sequence with him talking to his fallen comrades at the gravesite, and ended up you know busting his knuckle or something on one of the graves as he was breaking the uh, the alcohol. Um, the, the scene that did it for me though, for him was at the dinner table when Doss's brother comes in in uniform and you just see weaving break down, uh, talking about his fallen comrade using the uniform and getting it dirty and all this stuff as sort of a little analogy of here's what's going to happen to you. You know, don't get your uniform dirty or don't get, you know, you don't want to get it bloody. And even just seeing his, seeing his hands tremble, seeing his mouth tremble, I mean, you could just sense the weight of what the war did to him, the PTSD and all these things. I mean, I just, I felt so bad for him. I felt like, oh my word. I mean, he does not want to lose his kids. I mean, he's experienced this and now his kids are consciously choosing to do this and he's like no don't 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 which is what made the scene with him and uh, and desmond when desmond enlisted that much more powerful and uh, and i just loved him in this yeah I, I couldn't agree more i thought he was phenomenal for all the reasons you mentioned um and it, you know it's it's so awesome when you get these strong supporting roles that are very important in your character development um, and that some movies and some directors allow to kind of be thrown away and not, not developed to their full extent. But yet here we have them just impeccably done. Uh, Luke Bracey's another one. Uh, he plays Smitty. Who's kind of like the bully of the mm-hmm. film and just going through his arc with him. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed getting to see the redemptive nature uh, that leads us up to the phenomenal scene, which was, you know, darn near close to being a connecting point. Um, <laughs> and I know it was for you too, where he and uh, Doss are in a foxhole together. 
you know, and he, he takes Dawes's meat and he's like, of course, you know, of course you're not going to eat that because of your, because of your religion. He kind of just laughs, almost mocking him still like, yeah, you know, shocker. Um, and then they have this great conversation and Doss has this nightmare and, uh, they end up getting to this point where Smitty's, you know, telling him about his own life and where he came from and how he was orphaned as a child and how, you know, basically explaining why he is the way he is. And then he says one of my absolute favorite lines in the whole movie, which is he tells Doss, he says, I judge people quick, but I got you very wrong. And that Mm -hmm. was the moment when I was like, yes, yes, you know, you can, it's okay to change your mind and change your opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was just super powerful for me. And I thought that Luke, Luke Bracey did a, a really good job of, playing that character and even in that moment even when he's delivering that line he's still the strong ox of a man that he was in the movie like he doesn't he doesn't like weaken himself in order to say that line and to be redeemed um it it comes out in his own way and i like that a lot yeah and i think what Doss has the ability to do in this scene amplifies that is he, you mentioned earlier, what a great point you made about he doesn't try to get people to change. Um, his life influences people. His convictions followed up with action influence people to change if they need to. And I, and I stress that, if they need to. It wasn't like everybody changed and they said, we're going to all be like Doss. We're going to all embrace this kind of faith. What they did was, though, they began to you know, he earned their respect. And in particular, the scene that point that, that stands out to me is that last day on the ridge before they go up, they wait <laughs> and they wait. And, and what's the hold you, up? What's the hold up? Says, Doss uh, is praying for us. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's, it's funny, but it's also extremely impactful because they are at this point where they're like, look, who you are. I mean, you, again, you've earned our respect and, and, you know, we value what you're bringing to the table, not just as a medic, but as a man of faith. And um, I just, I, I, I love what you said there, that there's this world that I, I think in that moment with him and Smitty in the foxhole, he, he showed Smitty that no matter where Smitty came from, he was still valuable as a person and was, has always been valuable as a person. I, I Again, I'm, I'm thinking about the scene where, Smitty steals his Bible and he pulls out the picture of Dorothy and he's and he starts trying to insult him. And he says, he says, give, give me my picture back. He goes, say please. Please give me my picture back. Say please, Smitty, give me my picture back. And without hesitation, please, Smitty, give me my picture back. In any other movie, I think we would have probably gotten somebody that just railed, that would have popped Smitty at that point. Yep. But we we see Doss, who doesn't look afraid. Mm-mm. He's, he's incredibly just saying, look, <laughs> this is me turning the other cheek. This is me looking at you and saying, you, you know what? You're valuable. You're still valuable. As much as you're ridiculing me, you're still valuable to me. And I'm going to just show you the utmost love and respect as hard as it would be for me. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so that moment with them in the foxhole just paid all that off. Because Doss never, his consistency and how he valued his comrades never changed. Never, ever changed. And that went a long way to 
not only earning their respect, but I think earning their trust and earning their love to an extent. I mean, there's a reason why the Medal of Honor was earned for him. I mean, it wasn't just, I mean, <laughs> I mean he, he earned a lot of medals. I, I remember reading about this, but I, I can't imagine the amount of influence he had on his comrades outside of that as well after that event. Right. No, I, I completely agree with you. And I'm, I'm really glad you just said something because, um, I want to, I want to make a couple of quick, uh, quick thoughts here. And then I want to talk about one big question before we move to our connecting point. But, um, I wanted to point out, uh, as a note that the medal of honor is not one and it, and it drives me nuts. It actually, it actually angers me to be honest. Um, when I was in the Navy, um, I was a Navy chief, chief petty officer. And so we went through a pretty grueling training process to become part of this, uh, fraternity, this brotherhood. Uh, and a large portion of that is history and tradition because the Navy chief is the keeper of the tradition. Uh, you are the one who passes that down to the sailors that come after you and you keep it alive. And you know how you keep traditions and history alive is by continually doing that, continually talking about it every single summer. You're, you're doing it over and over and over. And one of our training points was that every morning uh, at PT, we would have to go over a Medal of Honor recipient. And that is the correct term, is a recipient. You receive the Medal of Honor. You do not win it. Um, and it was just... I remember having to go through the process of getting that in my head. And, and, and when I would say it wrong, you know, I would be subjected to a massive amount of, of extra push-ups. Uh, but there was a reason for that. Uh, because when you start to learn about these guys and what they accomplish, you, you start to, you start to respect them and you start to, I mean, the sacrifice goes beyond like anything you can fathom in your day to day, you know, life of just getting up and going to work and coming home and watching a movie and taking some notes so you can do a podcast or going to a movie with your wife or, you know, making dinner or there's just, there's these, we go through these routines that are so comfortable, uh, in this day and age. And so learning about what these, these people have done, um, all in the name of trying to make it for a better world for us ultimately, or our ancestors. I don't know. It's just very, very powerful. And so I wanted to make sure that we mentioned uh, for anybody out there, that please don't use the word Medal of Honor winner. Uh, you are a Medal of Honor recipient, <laughs> and that's important to me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's funny with the Navy, uh, bring up the Navy. I, one of the other points I wanted to make is I had like a real fist pump moment, I got to admit. When they called for the artillery barrage on Hacksaw Ridge, and we cut away to that that battleship <laughs> <laughs> just blasting the crap out of Hacksaw Ridge, dude. I literally, I did. I like, I quite literally fist pumped in the movie. Um, <laughs> that was awesome. It was like, yes, go Navy, do your thing. Cause that's what we do is we, we hit you from afar and soften you up for the, uh, the boys on the ground. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to mention that I really loved a line that I thought was incredibly important. Actually. Um, my dad, when I, when I talked to my dad after this film, my dad was in Vietnam and I was telling him about it. I said, Dad, you got to go see this. And he said, yeah, I read the book a few years ago, and it actually changed my opinion on what a true conscientious objector is. 
And I've had this conversation with him because he had experienced some quote unquote conscientious objectors in Vietnam, uh, in his day. And they're not well thought of. (laughs) It's much like the way that Doss is portrayed in this film and what he goes through. You're not, you are thought of as a traitor, right? And a coward. And he said it completely changed his perspective, uh, reading and learning about Doss's story. And Doss has a line in the film, and I don't know if this is straight from reality or truth or not, but he, he calls himself a conscientious cooperator. And I just thought that was brilliant, man, because that's really what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're not objecting. You're cooperating. Exactly. You're, you're okay with what other people are doing, or you're, you're accepting of it. You're accepting of their choice, their, their right to have that choice. Mm-hmm. And you just want to be there by their side and take care of them if something goes wrong. Right. Um, and so I thought that was a really, really important line in the movie. Yes, very cool. That and um, then uh, I also wanted to point out that from a leadership perspective, uh, it was really nice to see the leaders rushing into battle first. Mm, um, yeah, absolutely. On Hacksaw Ridge, you see Sam Worthington's Captain Glover. You see the sergeant of Vince Vaughn. They lead the charge, man, over and over and over. They run straight head on, and they are at the front of that line. They aren't at the back giving orders. And this is this is what real leadership, especially when you're talking about military leadership, is about. You know, It's not about being given this blind respect. It's about earning it with your actions. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what Doss then does as well as he earns the respect and admiration and love of his comrades, um, through his bravery and through doing that exact same thing by, by charging in and leading from the front. So right on. that was pretty and awesome. So we, and so we see all these scenes that really amplify that theme of conviction and backing up your, your words with actions. And, um, was there a particular moment uh, in getting into our connecting point? Was because we talked about several scenes. Was there one that that stood out to you where where this theme may have been impactful? Well, yes, there was. Um, I think there were many, and I know you and I talked about this offline a little bit, and we both struggled because sometimes we have a hard time finding one. <laughs> this is one of those. <laughs> But but sometimes but it wasn't because we couldn't find one. It was because we found many. Right. You know, I, there were right. so many moments that I connected with in a in a big way that it was hard to nail it down. But for me, it was kind of everything about Doss's initial arrest and ultimately being put in a confinement cell, starting from the point where he has this burst of anger release. It's the only time we see this happen in the entire film to my knowledge. Well, I take that back. There's probably two. The other time would be the flashback scenes where he attacks his father uh, to stop his dad when his dad has the gun out. Or the, the, the hitting his brother with a brick. Huh. Okay, maybe three. There's, yeah. there's also that one. But, wow. Um, <laughs> a connecting point for me, maybe. It was almost going to be that. Woo, yeah, I forgot all about <laughs> that. Um, but you know, we see him take it out on a wall this time. And, you know, he, he beats the heck out of it. He goes boxing match on the wall. And it's just this very powerful moment of release where, you know, it's obviously pent up 
and yet he's he's held it in. He's not directed it outward at people that have been um, making life hard for him. And so he gets it out. And then we go through the, a couple of visits. We have Captain Glover that comes and sees him. And this is what I was talking about earlier where, you know, at this moment, I really started to to like the captain and Sam Worthington's character because he's he's telling Desmond, he's like, listen, man, <laughs> I don't fully understand you, but I know enough about you now to know that I don't want this to be your path. Like, I want you to go home and have a life and and go live it because you're a good guy. Um, and you know, Desmond says no bueno, like he, he can't do that. Um, and so of course, Captain Blover walks out and he says, listen, if I can't convince you, maybe she can. And Dorothy walks in. And of course the only, you know, the whole point is that, you know, he's in this confinement room and he's been kept from her. He hasn't even been able to tell her that he couldn't show up for their wedding because he's been arrested and so she comes in and they have this moment and it's ultimately where Desmond tells her, I don't know how I can live with myself if I don't stay true to what I believe. And that's where I connected the most with the film because he is a hundred percent at that point choosing his conviction to his principles over anything else, over whatever Circumst- whatever consequences may come, he has made it very clear to the person he loves the most that his conviction to God at this at this point is is more important um, and is going to be his number one always. And so, it's incredibly powerful to me um, personally, and that was the one that I would choose. Yeah, and I connected with it as well. I mean, it it, it seemed to just sum up in its entirety who Desmond Doss was. That being a man of faith wasn't something that just waxed and waned with him. That, uh, first of all, I love the fact that he got mad. Because it would be real easy to portray a guy in in this light and have him never get mad. It would definitely play to a, a bad stereotype of what people of faith are like. But he, you know, he gets mad, and who doesn't, right? He's incredibly angry. He's not. He missed his wedding, <laughs> and so when he sees her, the next thing you expect from a movie standpoint is for you know him to maybe in part go, okay, you know, for you, I'll do this because I know she wanted him to. She said, look, it's gonna be, you know, it's okay. You know, you'll be dishonorably discharged, but you'll get to come home, and you know that I love you. And and then he says that line. He says. I don't know that I can live with myself if I don't stay true to what I believe. And in that moment, not only do we become convinced that this is who he is, this is the most important thing about him and that it impacts every moment of his life, including his relationship with Dorothy, that she comes back and she says, basically, no matter what you choose to do, I'm not going anywhere. And at that moment, now we have two people who are unified and who are together in this and i've got to believe for him as as smitten as he was with her as much as he loved her that went a huge long way into uh into building into into motivating him and to making him feel affirmed in what he believed and i I just I, i think for for both of them i think it became uh 
faith didn't become the thing for both of them, but I think the love that they had for each other combined with his faith. Um, I know as a husband, I need that for my wife. I need that. I need her to affirm me in things, even if she doesn't go along with the things that I, um, that, that I'm into. Like for instance, this podcast, it's a passion of mine. I mean, she's not up late at night with me doing this with me, but she's always asking me, how's it going? Are you guys getting any new listeners? And what are you guys talking about this week? She cares about me enough to ask those questions. And, and I saw that in Dorothy on a much deeper and much more important level that she, she, I think he knew or she knew that she needed to be his biggest cheerleader, that she needed to tell him, look, no matter what happens, know that I'm going to be the constant in your life, that your faith is going to, I mean, your faith is the ultimate thing, but if you need one person that's going to stand by you, it's going to be me. And, and that was huge, huge for him and huge for me. And, um, gosh, it's just, uh, so good. <laughs> so good. Oh, so good. I, I could, I could go on and on. There's so much more, um, to talk about with this movie and just, I mean, you could, you could break this one down scene by scene and scene by scene, scene by scene and spend hours, uh, talking about it because it's just, it, you know, it was that important and that powerful, uh, right. of, of an experience. Every moment of it uh, was so good. And, yeah. um, I'm just, I'm just grateful. I'm thankful that, um, Mel Gibson is able to make the movies that he wants to make, um, that he is able to stay true to his vision and his principles <laughs> very much mm-hmm. like Desmond Doss. Um, right. Thankfully he has enough money to do that. He doesn't have to bow down <laughs> to a studio that's telling him do this, this, and this, because you know, we want your movie to be a certain way. Uh, he's, he's going to stay strong to what he believes just like Desmond did. And, and I'm grateful that we got this story told and that it's out there. And I'm, I'm excited for people to go see it. I'm excited for people to be talking about it. I hope that people are talking about it for a long time to come. I hope that it's uh, a big player in the Oscar season this year as well. Um, and I'm excited. I'm going to be, I know I've already uh, looked to try and get the uh, the book uh, written by Desmond's second wife uh, called conscientious Object- objector, the story of Desmond Doss or something like that. Um, I want to know more about the true story of, of Desmond and his life. So um, it's, it's been one of the the best things that's happened for me this year in cinema for sure. Absolutely. Me too. Um, if you guys want to join us in this discussion, uh, this next week and in the future, you can find us at feelingfilm.com. Our Facebook group is where all the magic happens for the discussion. So the, um, uh, facebook.com slash feeling film, you can find the, that's our page, but you can get to the group from there or from our website, feelingfilm.com. You can also catch us on social media at, Feeling Film, F E E L I N F I L M on Twitter. We're also on Instagram at Feeling Film Podcast. And um, if you want to connect with me personally and do some discussion, you can find me at Twitter and Facebook at Shoeless Patch, S H O E L E S S P A T C H. I encourage you guys all to to look us up. Come join that group. It's a it's a great place for discussion. Uh, tons of it going on at all times. We have great weekly poll questions that get everybody energized and throwing out their opinions as well. And it's a lot of fun. If you want to find me on social media, you can find me at Aaron L white, A A R O N E L W H I T E. That's on Twitter, Facebook, all over the place. Um, 
reminder about the survey that we mentioned at the beginning of this episode. Uh, it's, it's currently the pinned post on our Facebook page and our Twitter page. We're going to leave it there for a, a while instead of uh, posting the episode this week, just so you guys have a way to get to that link. Uh, we want to leave it up for another week or so. We really want to get your feedback uh, just about what your ideas are on the, the future, like what we can do better, uh, what you might be interested in. And uh, if you have any, you know, suggestions or comments regarding uh, the podcast at all, we would love to hear them. Uh, next week, what are we doing? We're doing loving next week. Is that right? Well, that's the plan. Um, I know that uh, being from Arkansas, this is Jeff Nichols, a local director. I'm sure it will drop at some point this next week, but our theaters have been very ambiguous about these. So the plan is to cover loving next week for our, our Monday episode. But in the meantime, you can look for a midweek mini-sode on Doctor Strange that released this last Friday. Yes, sir. That is absolutely correct. And I guess that's it for this week. Um, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we hope that you were able to engage and learn a little bit of something or um, you know, just, just start to think through some of these themes a little bit more after seeing Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, Until next time, as always, stay positive. And keep feeling film.